up, world? It's your past first point guard and trail Blazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every single day. Make it a part of your daily routine Monday through Friday and tell your friends to do the same as Locked on Blazers your team every day. Today's episode is a mailbag episode. We're going to answer listener submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, the best way to do it is to email me lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Uh, I used to source these through Twitter, but um, I... <laughs> I stopped doing that for my own reasons. Uh, so the best way to send me future questions is just the email address, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. I will put that in the episode description for this episode. Um, if you do follow me on Twitter at Mike G. Rich, maybe I'll bring it back there. But um, it was a slog on Twitter. It's easier. It's easier with the mailbag stuff. Bigger, longer questions, generally some more thoughtful ones as well. And that might be self-selection, whatever it is. That's the way to do it. Here's what we do. Listener submitted questions all episode long. Why not get into it? The first one comes from Casey. Oh, before we get into um, the questions, I knew I wanted to do something up top. Some news. Blazers play the uh, Indiana Pacers on Friday, uh, second game of a three-game trip. And two names on the injury report, a uh, couple names, more than two, but two big ones, Gary Payton second and Jeremy Grant, both listed as questionable Gary Payton missed the previous game with a right ankle sprain. Um, and Jeremy Grant was hurt in the second quarter, had got a bruised quad, quad, left quad contusion, played a little bit after that, like and even came in and played in the fourth quarter down the stretch, but um, was he was on fire before he hit his quad before he hurt his quad and he didn't he wasn't not the same after that and he was briefly you know uh taken out and, and examined by the team's medical staff both of them are listed as questionable use of Nurkic on there as probable with uh still dealing with a non-covid illness Nazir Little Justice Winslow still out that's the news you need to know ahead of ahead of the Blazers game against the Pacers we will talk all about that one we'll talk um and then on Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon rather Portland time they play the Toronto Raptors so the next episode we will have two games to talk about uh, Indiana and Toronto but but we don't have a game to talk about today so we're doing a mailbag uh like I said lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com first question comes from Casey who asks if Jeremy Grant doesn't sign a full Four-year, $112 million extension before the trade deadline. Should the Blazers explore the trade market for him? Whoa. Whoa. This seems like uh, um, counting your counting your chickens before you even know they're chickens. Um, that's... Uh, before you've even... Before you... Counting your chickens before you even own the farm. Um... So let's let's walk through this because I think there's there's a lot to chew on here in Casey's question. As of I believe it's Friday, I, the rule is Jeremy Grant is eligible to sign a contract eligible to sign a a multi year four year extension as six months after he was acquired by the Blazers. He was acquired on uh, on July sixth. So. The way I read the rule, he's eligible Friday, January 6th. But the way I've actually seen it interpreted other places, by including by Bobby Marks of ESPN, is that he's eligible after the 6th. So he's either eligible Friday or Saturday. Regardless, this week, like it's the 6th or the 7th, he'll be eligible to sign a four-year, $112 million max contract extension. Um, the Blazers have his bird rights. They could go over the cap to sign him in the summer, but the the if you... Don't agree to the extension. He will enter unrestricted free agency, and then it, it's up to him whether he returns. Um, and even if the Blazers have the financial vehicles to bring him back onto the roster, they don't. 
um, they don't have any. They have a little bit less certainty uh, to bring it back onto the roster. So um, why you would maybe consider the trade market is because if he doesn't want to sign it now, and you don't know, you don't have a wink, wink deal for him signing a big extension into the future, then it gets a little dicey about um, you know whether whether you might have might whether he might walk. I don't really think like. I don't think I, I I don't I wouldn't assume that is a risk. Uh, for what it's worth, Jeremy Grant's max contract extension he can sign in the summer when he if he were to enter restricted free agency and sign with bird rights with the Blazers is five years two hundred and thirty plus million dollars like two five for two thirty three. He's not gonna get that like forty million a year, but four for one hundred and twelve is like an average annual value of twenty eight. There's a chance that Jeremy Grant says, "Look how good I've been this year," and I'm how many dudes my size and skill set are there in the league like everyone in the league wants wants a uh, wants a big wing who can score there aren't a ton of teams who are going to have cap space this summer there is one team that wears forum blue and gold and is a tenant of staples center that will have a bunch of money and could desperately need, use jeremy grant so um there is like some lakers protection reason to just go ahead and sign jeremy grant but if he does sign jeremy grant to an extension but if i think Four for one twelve. Prior to the season, seems like that's a lot of money for Jeremy Grant, and now it's like that would that might not be this version of Jeremy Grant. Four for one hundred and twelve is fine. Like it's kind of fine. He's he's been really good. Um, and and to the trade thing, there have been two reports in the last week, the last three days, um, that other players who are extension eligible and also entering free agency this summer, their teams are considering this same thing. If they don't get an extension done, should they explore the trade market? Mark Stein of the Steinline uh, newsletter says that the uh, Dallas Mavericks are weighing that exact situation with Christian Wood. His max contract he can sign is four for 77. And if Wood doesn't agree to that by the trade deadline, the Mavericks could potentially pursue trade options, according to Stein. And in, in Indiana, Miles Turner, who's kind of been maybe going to get traded, maybe not going to get traded for several seasons and really aggressively for several months now, uh, according to Matt Moore of Action Network and the uh, Locked on Nuggets podcast right here on this network, uh, also a host w once a week on Locked on NBA. Matt Moore reports that the uh, Pacers are basically deciding if they can't get an extension done with Miles Turner, they might actually just go ahead and pull the trigger because they don't want him to walk for nothing after all of this saga. So that Brings us back to Casey's original question with the eligibility of like, we, we know what Grant's eligible for. I kind of think it's a, like, I don't think it's that crazy of an overpay. It might be an overpay in the back half, like the final year of his contract. He might not be, it might be too much money, but I'm not that worried about it. Like Jeremy Grant's been really good. It seems like the Blazers have to pay to, you got to pay to retain talent. If you are a non-glamour market like Portland is, they traded for him to have him on the team. Uh, Damon Lode has has pined after him for a long time, uh, and now he's on the roster and he's been really good. He's been like pretty clearly their second best player all year long. So, um, and you could have made the case early in the season he was their best player. So because of consistency and availability, um, he's like you know he's you want him on the team. But the question is like, should they explore trading him? Uh, Eagle-eared listeners or um, elephant-memoried listeners will remember that early in the season, I kind of floated very vaguely like, I think there's a scenario in which they trade Jeremy Grant before he's before the deadline. And the whole reasoning behind that was like, if a if a star becomes available, you don't trade Jeremy Grant for another version of Jeremy Grant. Like, what's the point? He's been really good. That would be just bad, sort of bad juju. But if I was thinking like... At the time, if the Nets, that looked like an absolute mess, like if the Kevin Durant thing happened, 
let's like you know keep keep the Jeremy Grant option on the table because if you have to include his money to make it work or you just have to include him to entice the Nets who didn't want to tank at the time think about it there was even a world where like Anthony Davis was going to get traded at one point right but if you're trading for like an all-star MVP level player absolutely consider Jeremy Grant otherwise if you're trading for like a borderline all-star type you already have one of those and you have his bird rights and you have the ability to sign him to a four-year 112 plus million dollar contract extension probably Saturday afternoon uh no they shouldn't explore trading him um they shouldn't because um, unless you're getting the massive upgrade, which just doesn't seem like it's available out there, any other sort of marginal lateral move, I am not in favor of. I'm in favor of getting good players on your team, keeping them and trying to build with them. Dame and Jeremy Grant makes some sense. The, it's sorting out the rest of the roster that is um, the challenge for this team. And I think that's what they'll have to do going forward is kind of figure out what the rest of it looks like. In fact, that's the question in the second segment I want to answer. What do the Blazers even need to take the next step from a, you know, playoff play-in team to a team that could have a piece of championship equity? That's what we'll talk about in the second segment. What do they need? But first... I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Look, as a small business owner or if you're a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open with those targeting tools. And they go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job post, from your company, and from their 875 million member profiles on their website or use their service to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Let's keep it rolling with another question in this glorious special delivery mailbag. This next one comes from listener Michael who asks, what else do we need to add to truly become a title team? That's a collective pronoun. You love to see it. Thank you, Michael, for the question. Uh, Longtime listeners will know that I'm not a big fake trades guy. Like, I like talking about trades. What's what we're going to do now? Um, I, I would, it would be, um, would be false to say that I don't like thinking about player transactions and things like that. But I don't like going to the trade machine and cooking up fake trades and saying, here's, here's a thing that could work. That doesn't, um, it doesn't make, it doesn't get me um, excited about basketball. But what teams need to excel, the like actual basketball machinations, like what skill sets do you, do you need to improve? That interests me. The Blazers' path forward almost certainly from this point where they are in the sort of team building cycle is to make smart trades to upgrade the roster and nail some draft picks. Uh, they are probably, you know, they, they could continue to add mid-level money, mid-level guys each year. And I think Gary Payton, if he ever, if he ever plays with consistency, he's a pretty good mid-level guy. You get that a couple times in a row and you've maybe built your team through, um, one of the free agent tools. But for the most part, 
trades in the draft is where the Blazers are going to make it happen. And and as trade season approaches, we're about a month out from the NBA's trade deadline, which is February 9th. Things are going to heat up. In fact, there was a minor trade today in which former Blazer great Noah Vonley was traded to uh, the San Antonio Spurs, basically so the... Uh, Celtics could avoid some uh, some luxury tax penalties and the San Antonio Spurs could hit the salary floor. Uh, isn't the NBA fun? It's fantastic. Uh, where Noah Vonley gets traded because he's too expensive for one team and free for another. In any case, as the Blazers approach trade season, the question, what do they need, to me is more about skill set and type. Uh, and I want to talk about sort of archetyped archetype of, of skill set they might need more so to specific players uh, we will get at some point a little more specific as the rumor mill heats up and things like that in fact next week I have a, a plan on deck to do a Blazers trade value machine trade value episode where we talk about which players in the roster are most valuable would be most valuable in a trade it'll be we'll we'll, we'll get into it as we get you know we're 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 three, four weeks away from the trade deadline, we're going to talk trade stuff. But what do they need is an interesting question because to me, they need a couple things. They need another capable ball handler. They need another capable shooter and they need a little more size. In a perfect world, the person who is a capable ball handler, capable shooter and bigger than six foot eight would be the same person. You'd get like, Chris Stapp's Porzingis or something like that. And you'd have um, another offensive hub, another, um, a guy who's at one point in his career, maybe five years ago at this point, was like a really good defensive player and, you know, and, and is big at seven foot three. Uh, he's not, Chris Stapps is not ideal to me. I think the ideal player is like Bam Adebayo. But, um, and he's not even really a shooter. But like, it's, it is, they need more shooting. Um, they still have too many, even when, when when they're whole, like with Gary Payton, Justin Winslow, Nazir Little on the floor, too many guys that are right at average or below average three-point shooters as Justin Winslow's well below average and GP and Nas are like right hovering around league average shooters, but they're really low volume shooters. And low volume is like, that's part of the problem. You need dudes who get them up. Um, you need dudes who shoot. Like you, it's uh, kind of the problem with Josh Hart right now is he just won't shoot it. Uh, and, and not shooting breaks the breaks the whole chain. So they need shooting. They probably need another dude who can handle and pass, but they don't need that person to be a point guard. One of the funny things about doing this for as long as I have, um, and we're closing in on a decade of covering the Blazers in some form or fashion with regularity, uh, nine seasons, I believe. But, uh, you this it's we've cycled back during the Damon CJ era. There was always people who were clamoring for the Blazers needing a a backup point guard, um, and I always felt the same way about it. Why do you want to get the ball out of Damon CJ's hands and put it in a worse person's hands who's also small, small another small guard who doesn't give your your excellent small guards the ball? I feel the same way about uh, Damon Amphrey Simons. Like, just let them have the ball. What you need is another big person who could handle a little bit. Like, it wouldn't it be nice if the Blazers had, like, a multifaceted wing who could shoot, dribble, and pass? Yeah, everybody wants that. But even just a, just a bigger wing to who could shoot it and get you into, like, dribble handoffs and stuff would help. Or, um, like, a Justice Winslow who was 7% better on offense would help. I, I think, in theory... Um, you're hoping that that uh, Nazir Little grows into that, but Nas's handle is really far away from being there. They need someone who can handle and run the offense, take the ball out of Amphrey Simon's hand so he can stay in score mode with that second unit. 
I think Gary Payton can do that a little bit. Not perfectly, but I think he can do that a little bit. So then you, you're looking for size. Size on the wings. Like to get it to become a title contender, they absolutely need another high-level starting caliber wing. That is probably too hard to acquire on this level of the trade market. But if if one of those dudes in Toronto becomes available, particularly the Cameroonian one, go ahead and acquire him. <laughs> like he's good. Um he's he's good, but like uh, also, according to Matt Moore of Action News, like the asking price for OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam has been, quote, astronomical. Not sure the Blazers play an astronomical price for it, but they should consider what that's the upgrade they need. They need a to to vault into championship level, a high a, one more high quality starting wing. Um, everyone in the league is kind of looking for that player. Best of luck. Um, you know, best case scenario, Shaden Sharp develops into that very quickly, like in nine months or something like that. Uh, it's, that's a tough task. In the near term, they could use that, like I said, that sort of ball handler shooter prototype. And then they need size. They just need another big guy. Um, Yusuf Nurkic isn't bad. I think he's get he gets sometimes he gets a little bit too much criticism. He can be frustrating. Sometimes he just plays poorly. Sometimes you could tell he's not totally focused, not totally engaged. Um, other times, like his just his physical skill set comes up, and it's a, it's a it's a challenge because he's big and he's better playing drop coverage and letting guys come towards him. But the Blazers' defensive scheme has him out further from the rim and pressuring the ball. And sometimes he can just get run by and him guarding in space is a problem and not maximizing what he does well with, with the particular, with the scheme they run for the most part. And the Blazers don't play zone very well, which would also seemingly help Nurk, um, you know, utilize what he's good at standing in the middle of the paint and being gigantic and deterring people from the rim. There's some physical stuff that's frustrating. He doesn't have a very strong left hand, so he always has to come back to his right hand. It, it's it's Nurk is Nurk is a a, per, a perplexing player, but he's not bad. But he's also owed three for three more years, fifty four million dollars left on his contract after this season. You are not going to trade Nurk straight across for an upgrade. So the idea is you got to upgrade marginally behind. Yusuf Nurkic, probably for now. If there's a trade that comes out there that you can find for Nurk, explore it. Sure, I'm, that, that seems fine to me. But the idea that you could trade Nurk straight across for an upgrade is silly. It's just a straight up delusional. It just is like it's it does it's not operating in reality. Um, it's the Blazers paid him a lot of money. I don't think his I think his contract is generally probably seen across the league as negative. Do the Blazers want to attach Nurk plus sweeteners to get a marginal upgrade at center? No, they shouldn't do that. They should upgrade the backup center position to someone who can play, you know, more switchy, more in-space type of defense, the style of play that the Blazers, that Chauncey Phillips wants this Blazers team to play. What if you had an option that was also, you know, 6'10 with range that could that could play that defense a little bit, even if they were limited on offense, but a rangy defender um, who could who could prop up your switchy um, your switchy scheme and also rebound a little bit. That's the type of thing they need. Like a a marginal upgrade at 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 backup center gets you closer to where you need to be this year. If you're talking championship level, yeah, you probably need a more versatile center to play at that level. Probably, um, you know, I, it's it's hard to say exactly what you might need in the playoffs because what if you have to play Nikola Jokic in the playoffs? You need a giant person. Nurk would be pretty helpful. Um, the matchup stuff will matter. It's like, what do the Blazers need to vault into the championship um, contention? Anthony Davis in the middle, right? Like, 
defensive player of the year, versatile uh, versatile defender who can guard a ton of different positions, who can rebound and block shots, all of those things. Anthony Davis might make the Hall of Fame. Like <laughs> the the bar is pretty hard to get there. But I think that is in general the outline of what do they need. Let's go back through it again real quickly. Another ball handler who can also shoot it, preferably actually another ball handler who can also shoot it, who is taller than six foot six. Another four, three, four type who can rebound and another center who's a little more scheme versatile. That's at least three different players. That could be four different players. They're a ways away from being in championship contention. There's a chance some of those players are on the roster right now and they can develop to get there, but their timeline, it'll be interesting to see what they think their timeline is. Um, when they decided to draft Shaden Sharp, it seems like they were going with two different timelines, the Shaden Sharp timeline and the Damian Lillard timeline. That's a 19-year-old and a 32-year-old. At some point, they have to pick a timeline um, because if you do both, you're just going to be stuck where they are, which is like a middling team. Uh, you would think that they would choose the Damian Lillard timeline. They gave him the two-year, $100 million extension. I will be very curious what their next moves are and what they suggest about the Blazers' timeline and their willingness to go all in. It was a criticism of the previous front office that maybe they weren't always ready to go all in. I think the outside perception right now is that this particular front office is more willing. I'm certainly curious to see it. All right, got a question about all-star teams in the third segment. That's what we will talk about to close the show. The first round of fan voting um, for the all-star game is out. So let's, let's, Let's parse a little bit and see where the Blazers land. But first, let me tell you, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Whatever that action is, you're going to find it on Bet Online. NBA games, NHL games, MLB futures, NFL playoffs, college football, you can get college basketball. It's all there waiting for you. Go check it out. And even you'll find news, analysis, and even podcasts to make you a smarter, better, give you a better chance to win some money. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locks on Blazers. Final question of today's mailbag episode comes from Alex K, who asks, What are the Blazers' chances of getting one, two, or three guys on the All-Star team? That is not exactly what Alex asked. Alex mentioned that the Blazers have three legitimate All-Star candidates and asked uh, for a, a some discussion of their candidacy, but I... I paraphrased. I it took a little it took a little um, creative liberty there. Thanks for the question, Alex. So, um, in general, I think the Blazers are a one all star one all star type team. Uh, there it is pretty friggin' hard to make the all star team in the West. It's really crowded, um, and teams with multiple all stars are going to be higher up in the standings. The way the Blazers get multiple all stars from right now until voting closes in um, you know in about three weeks uh, or technically will be a little bit longer than that, but basically closed in, in three weeks, um, is win. They got to rip off a whole bunch of wins. All of a sudden, it looks like Jeremy Grant has to be an all-star because it's the fourth best team in the West. S- simple as that. I think the Blazers are going to get one all-star. I think it's going to be Damian Lillard. Um, I do not think Anthony Simons has a path to making the all-star team. The West just has too many good guards. Uh, the The results came out today for, for first round of fan voting. All-star starters are decided by 50% fan bo- vote, 25% player vote, and 25% media vote. Um, 
no one takes it less seriously than NBA players. Shout out to them. Uh, All-star voting like doesn't matter, but all-star teams do in many ways define guys' legacies. So it is a weird it's a weird world, right? It's like, cause I want to say like, it doesn't matter. And I'm, I, I am truly happy that fans get a vote. The all-star game is for fans. Fans are the lifeblood. They like, that's why the NBA exists. It's why people are paying billions of dollars for a television package. Cause people like the sort of like the league. They don't watch it on TVs, maybe as much as other sports, but like the fans, they drive the league. So, um, they should have a vote in the all-star game. So, while some of the fan voting is a little wonky, what are you going to do? This should, kind of probably should be that way. In the first round of voting in the West, Steph Curry is one, Luka Doncic is two, and then there's a huge drop-off. Those dudes are over two million votes. John Moran, under a million. Shea Gildas-Alexander, Clay Thompson, hilariously Russell Westbrook, six. Damian Lillard, seventh. Um, Dame has 150,000 less votes than Russell Westbrook. Whew. That alone should tell you how far Anthony Simons is away from making it. Even even if you just say like, okay, Steph and Luca are in. Um, on this list, John Moran is an absolute lock. Shea Gilles Alexander is probably a lock. Damian Lord is a lock. And De'Aaron Fox is probably, a, he's close. I think De'Aaron Fox is a lock. My heart says De'Aaron Fox is a lock. Um, my brain says I don't know. There's just not a path to another guard making it in the West. It's just not a path. Um, Anthony Simons has been good. Probably hasn't been all-star level good. And he's, even then, he, it's it's just, it's a tough, there's there's not a lot of space for him. I think, I think Dame's a lock. He's averaging 27 and 7. Um, he's, he's like part of the all-star fraternity. He's the best player on this team. Like, I, I, it'd be very odd to me if Dame didn't make the all-star team. I think he's a lock. So then the question is Jeremy Grant. Um, again, I don't think the Blazers get two um, unless... Some, unless they climb in the standings. In fact, when I was prepping for this podcast, I think um, I think there are two teams, three teams actually in the West that could get two. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers could get two because LeBron James and Anthony Davis could both get enough of the fan vote to end up starters. Wah, wah, wah. Um, Anthony Davis, excellent player, has not been available enough to deserve it. Um, to be on, he doesn't even deserve to be on the All Star team just because of availability. He's been freaking great when he plays, hasn't played enough. It happens. Um, so the Lakers might by default. The other two teams, I think the Kings are going to end up with two All Stars. Demontis Sabonis has been maybe the third best center in the NBA. He's leading the league in rebounding. He's been great. And De'Aaron Fox has arguably been the best King. So. Um, yeah, like I, I think the Kings might get two All-Stars from sixth in the West. They might not. Like one of them might get squeezed and it might be Fox, which would be a bummer because he's been really good and deserves his first chance to make the All-Star team. But um, I think the Kings are, are are maybe the only team in the West that will get two. The other team is Denver. There is a groundswell from media types. Uh, I've seen it with the guys who cover the Nuggets and now it's kind of um, it's permeating out to the rest of the Twitter commentary at media media type people are like, oh yeah, the Nuggets are the best team in the West. Aaron Gordon is having a career year and he's pretty obviously been their second best player, like without a doubt has been their second best player. He's He deserves to be the second All-Star. I think he might. I think he could. Um, coaches, vets like Aaron Gordon who have hung around and found their role, they get rewarded by NBA coaches. I think, I think for sure Gordon could. It's 12 spots, though. It's really tight. Like, it's really tight. And I think Lowry Markkinen's going to make it, so it's really tight. Which means I don't think Jeremy Grant's going to be an all-star unless the Blazers really climb in the standings. But um, the 
why I want to talk about fan voting is the only thing you want to look in fan voting is is um is if things are funky. If there's a if there's something funky, like when Andrew Wiggins was named an All Star starter, then it kind of can mess up the rest of the the voting in the back half. Like someone will get squeezed because Wiggins, who was like a borderline All Star last year, certainly was in the conversation. Um, certainly should have been in the conversation, but he wasn't an All Star starter. He just got the fan vote. Uh, the Warriors are a very popular team globally, uh, so like because Wiggins was in the starting lineup, it meant that other people who should have been there, you know, it's it, it, there's a chain reaction. If Anthony Davis is a starter, that's going to be something a little bit wonky, and that's going to squeeze someone in the back half of the of the uh, of the voting. Davis also might be an injury replacement, so it might be moot because then you'll still end up with another guy in the All Star in the All Star game. But we'll see if Davis is healthy. You know, maybe he shows up and plays for a couple seconds in Salt Lake City and calls it good. Um, the thing to watch in fan voting is not like where the Blazers land. It's just not like Portland's not that big of a city. It's not that big of a market. Um, it's not that big of a global brand. It is what it is. Uh, so they're not. They're just not going to be up there in the fan voting. Damian Lord's he's fantastic. He's like going to get caught by Austin Reeves in the fan voting because of the way Lakers fans work, um, and the way they work is that they're in every country in the world. Um, so it's it's really just watching if the if the fan vote gives an undeserving starter a spot that screws up the rest of it. And then you just look at the West front court and it's it's you know LeBron is going to is going to be in there, Nikola Jokic is going to be in there, Zion's going to be in there, Lowry Markkinen's going to be in there. Uh, I think DeMontis Sabonis is going to be in there. Where does where does Jeremy Grant fit? Like I don't think you get I don't think anyone from the Wolves is going to be there. I don't think I don't think either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or anyone from the Clippers is going to be there. Um I I think they're you know if it's if there's six and six, like six front court, six back court, Jeremy Grant, it's really five and five, and then you get two wild cards. That's how the voting works. Um, I think Jeremy Grant has an unlikely path, but has been good enough to be in the consideration. And if there's an injury replacement, certainly could be there. You know, Devin Booker's injury certainly certainly changes the way the calculation works. Um, Steph Curry's injury, depending on his availability for the game, could mean that there's more guys. Like it could be like a 15-person all-star team. If that's the case, then we're really talking about Jeremy Grant right on the right on the cusp. Um, that's that is that is absolutely certain. So in the end, I think the Blazers have one All Star win, and I think it's Damian Lillard. Um, and I think there, if they get two, it's going to be JG, um, the Marcella Madman. We will see what happens. Uh, fan voting just got it. Just got to watch which team from California gets too many votes for starting nods, and that's how you'll know kind of the math for for your teams that are not in California. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, come back on Monday. This is uh, Friday, January 6th show. Come back on Monday. Uh, we will talk about the Blazers' two games over the weekend. Next week, we'll talk um, Blazers' trade value and some more fun stuff. Join me there. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.